This season of the Sober Curious podcast is supported by Seedlip, the world's first distilled non-alcoholic spirit. We are seeing a paradigm shift in the role that alcohol plays in people's lives. And for anybody who is sober curious, Seedlip offers a sophisticated and grown-up alternative. One of my favorite ways to enjoy any of Seedlip's three flavors, which are Spice 94, Grove 42, or Garden 108, is with ginger ale. Simply top up two ounces of Seedlip with ginger ale, I prefer sugar-free, and garnish with a lemon wheel, lime wedge, or a sprig of rosemary. Delicious. For more information and ways to enjoy Seedlip, visit seedlipdrinks.com forward slash US and follow at Seedlip Social on Instagram. Hello, welcome back to the Sober Curious podcast with me, Ruby Warrington. My guest this week is Jordan Younger, who you may know from her popular wellness blog, The Balanced Blonde, and podcast of the same name. Welcome back to the Sober Curious podcast with me, Ruby Warrington. My guest this week is Jordan Younger, who you may know from her popular wellness blog and podcast of the same name, The Balanced Blonde. As somebody who has experienced multiple health challenges throughout her life, from orthorexia, which is an addiction to healthy eating, to severe IBS, and most recently a journey with chronic Lyme disease, Jordan has dedicated her life to sharing her healing journey, including, more recently, her decision to completely quit drinking. In this episode, she shares her backstory with booze, which included excessive drinking in her teens and early 20s, despite the fact that it always had an extreme toxic reaction with her system. She began to cut back as she got more educated about the overall impact of alcohol on her well-being and more confident about her choice not to drink until she finally heard the message to never drink alcohol again during an ayahuasca ceremony that was part of her healing from Lyme. This is actually the first episode I've realized where I speak to somebody who's got sober curious purely for physical health reasons, which seems crazy, and which is also a reminder of how quickly we often overlook the negative physical impact of booze, even though this is actually reason enough to quit in and of itself before we've even got as far as issues with mental health and addiction. There's also one important thing to flag before we get into the interview, which is that at one point I share an anecdote about a recent experiment of mine using alcohol quote unquote medicinally. I won't repeat the whole story here, you will hear it soon enough. And while I'm very clear in the interview about my reasons for taking a drink on this one occasion, I want to stress here that by no means am I recommending alcohol as a medicine or suggesting that any perceived benefits can ever outweigh the negative toxic load of this substance, particularly if you're somebody who has identified a more serious problem with alcohol addiction. That said, when it comes to being well, this interview is a really great reminder that this can and should look different for everybody, and that the most important thing is to really get to know and deeply listen to your own body and its unique needs. So here we go. This is Jordan. Jordan, thank you so much for joining me today. <laughs> thank you for having me. I'm so glad yeah. that we're finally making this happen. Finally, right? Yes. Um, I feel like we probably, well, I came on your podcast a couple of years ago, maybe three years ago. Yeah, I think it was two or three years ago. Yeah. I remember I was in a robe when we recorded because <laughs> I had head to toe eczema at yes. the time. And yeah, that was kind of the beginning of a huge spiral for me, Mm. but I was so excited to meet you and such a fan (laughs) of The Numinous and your book and 
here we are now. So, <laughs> and you so came much... and spoke on a panel event that I had in LA, like last around this time last year as well for yeah. the launch of So Be Curious. And it's been, and I think at the time you were just sort of starting to really speak out about like, I, you guys, I'm sober, and that is the choice I'm making for myself. And I've been dying to hear about like how you reached that point like the different factors that played into you making the choice to completely abstain from alcohol now so I'd love if we could just dive in with that if you could sort of share with me and the listeners um your booze story you know your kind of drinking history like where it began for you and how you got to where you are now with it yeah well I'm hesitant always to use the word sober because I know that that is tied in with alcoholism and I've never been an addict um I have been around a lot of addicts and I've been in love with many addicts so I'm hyper aware to that life and um I think that that's played into a lot of it for me too just seeing the destruction in some people who I love so dearly um but that wasn't really my decision to stop drinking alcohol but now that I haven't drank in over a year I am so grateful to just kind of be out of all of all of the things that alter my mind, mm. except for psychedelics, which is a whole different story. Oh, we yeah. could talk about that another time. <laughs> um, so if I could back up mm. to high school, mm-hmm. that's when I started drinking, probably pretty early, but I know a lot of people start drinking in high school. I was about 15, and the first time I ever drank, I took nine shots of vodka. I think I might have mentioned that on the panel that you hosted last year, because it sounds crazy, and I also smoked marijuana for the first time that night, so as you can imagine, I was very cross-faded, as we called it, and I just cried for the whole entire night. It was just a huge hit to my system, and... I was going through a lot at that time. I was very in love with someone who, as I mentioned, was addicted to drugs. And so drinking for me from starting from that very night very often led to hysterical crying, being comforted by my friends, um, crazy hangovers. I would always throw up in the morning because I would drink so much and I wouldn't throw up that night as a lot of my friends would, because that's how much we drank, by the way. Not healthy um, to drink to the point where you throw up. But I would throw up the next morning pretty frequently, and then I would feel fine. And then I would go about my day. And granted, I was 15, 16 years old, so that wasn't totally crazy. I had the metabolism of a 16-year-old, which was which was great. And in high school... I partied a lot. Um, It was kind of my escape. I didn't do anything too crazy, but my friends and I would throw parties at my friend's grandmother's house. (laughs) We love her. Um, And it's so funny looking back. I mean, we would have like 500 people at parties and the cops would come and we were so proud. We felt like we were so cool. It's hilarious. So honestly, I feel like I got a lot of the actual partying out of my system very young. Then I went to college here in LA, and the first couple years of college were very similar. Super social, thrived off of my social life. I was in a sorority. Binge drinking was incredibly common. Um, 
And I was a huge part of that. My sophomore year of college, I drank probably every night of the week with very few exceptions. And I would still wake up and I was very into writing. I was an English major and I would write full novels and plays and journalism pieces and so many things with partying so much. It's crazy. I never slept. Um, (laughs) Crazy looking back on it. So funny enough, around the time I turned 21, when I was studying abroad in Florence in Italy, which was a whole other party scene um, where people didn't go out until like one in the morning. And I know you're familiar with the The European European, life. Um, (laughs) All of a sudden, after being such a party animal, I wasn't that interested. I was more like exhausted by that time of day and didn't want to go out and didn't feel as fulfilled from going out. The only time I've officially blacked out in my life was my 21st birthday. I drank wine and tequila and like buckets of whatever was in there in these drinks, every type of alcohol under the sun. Mm-hmm. Totally blacked out. It was more of just a funny story, um, which I know blacking out is not funny, but the things that I was doing, I was cartwheeling through the streets of Florence. We have it on video. I was wearing like those rubber um things that they put on top of bars to catch the alcohol I was wearing it as a scarf I was just I was in such a funny place um and I continued to drink after that but I remember turning 21 was that turning point where I felt like this doesn't excite me as much anymore I actually really wanted to explore my spiritual side on that trip and go on like a solo yoga retreat, which I never ended up doing. Mm. But that was the beginning of much more who I am now. Mm. And um, instead, I went on a booze cruise to Greece, and it was dangerous. I mean, the things that people were doing, it's so crazy looking back. So anyways, just to fast forward a bit, I returned to college after studying abroad didn't feel very fulfilled by that whole lifestyle anymore and I started really exploring my more spiritual side I did a teacher training for yoga um and kind of got out of a lot of sorority events because I was teaching yoga um I was the director of health and fitness for my sorority so that was when I began to really step into the Jordan that I am now Mm. And then I moved to New York and it was so freeing because rather than being identified as this party girl who's always up for having a good time, um, people in New York who I met, my new friends, my friends from grad school, um, they knew me as this very healthy wellness blogger. I had already started my blog and we would go to bars after class and I would drink water and it was actually very inspiring to them and they tell me that to this day Mm. Um, just to see that there's a whole other way to live life and and then I would dread like drinking events but I would still drink and this kind of led all the way to more recently Mm. when I was diagnosed with Lyme disease two years ago have been very sick and started to really view for me personally alcohol as more of a poison for my body and I'm very accepting of people who drink my family are huge drinkers my husband drinks um 
for me personally, alcohol feels very poisonous. So it was no longer a question. It was like, I'm not drinking anymore. And I had one or two drinks in all of 2018, which were at two weddings, and I felt terrible. And so I was already not drinking by the time I quote-unquote stopped drinking. But for 2019, I just decided I'm not having one single sip, not at my wedding, not at my bachelorette party, not on my honeymoon, not doing it because I'm also on lots of herbs for Lyme and I've been on medications for Lyme and it's legitimately dangerous to drink Mm, mm. on some of these medications. And I'm not on those medications now, but if it's that dangerous to drink on them and I have Lyme, and I'm doing, I'm sitting here drinking this heavy metal detox smoothie. Why would I put what I consider to be quite poisonous, something into my body? It doesn't resonate with me mm. at all. Mm. And I've cleaned up so many areas of my life, like spiritually, mentally, alcoholically, and everything else. So I feel so good with where I am. Um, I don't even know what would happen if I had like a sip of (laughs) hard alcohol. I think I would just feel tipsy off of one sip and I'm just not interested. Mm. So I'm very passionate about just showing people that you can have fun and you can be social. And I know you are too. You're the leader of this movement. Um, And not drink. And it doesn't mean that you're boring and it doesn't mean that you're judgmental and it doesn't mean that you're a homebody, even though I am, but that's totally separate. (laughs) Um, It doesn't have to mean any of those things. Absolutely. There's a few things that I'd love to kind of just backtrack on there. Um, I think, you know, your your description of kind of drinking in your teens and then through college, it's very... um, now she's putting me on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm talking. I should have It's a very you. typical story. I think a lot of people will see themselves in that story. But what I found is that when we kind of like at a later date can look back and unpack why we were sort of getting involved with the drinking culture in the first place, people have different sorts of reasons, I suppose. And for you, do you think it was more about sort of fitting in and just kind of doing what everyone else was doing? Or do you feel like you were using alcohol to have some kind of a specific experience did you want to like access a different part of yourself or were you looking to was there were there painful things in your life that you didn't want to deal with or was it just because this is the this is just what we do it was more this is just what we do and fitting in and I mean up until I was 21 I did I legitimately enjoyed drinking Mm -hmm. um And it's not that I wanted to escape from anything per se, because like I said, every time I drank, I would, not every time, but a lot of times I would hysterically cry and I would kind of backslide into, basically I would always end up calling my ex-boyfriend who is to this day struggling very Mm -hmm. much and it's very painful. So looking back on it, yeah, maybe I was trying to escape or just get myself to this place of having no inhibition so Mm. that I could talk to him more Mm. often. I don't know. Well, you can Um, have some kind of a release in that crying. I sometimes feel like when we have those kind of emotional releases with drinking, it's like there's something in us that sort of wants to come out. Oh, yeah. And it's not really that close to the surface. So we need to just kind of like get into a messed up state for it to just come out. But it's not helped. There's so many healthier ways that we can do that in a proactive way rather than using this substance which is just actually gonna 
yeah, put a toxin into us and leave us feeling even worse. Right. I totally agree. Um, and I've always been a very emotional person. We're both cancer moons. We are. So I never had any problem crying without alcohol. So it's right. not that I needed it. It's just that's kind of what, yeah. looking back, that's yeah. what would always happen. Well, it's a depressant. I mean, Right, yeah. right. So it was more just this is what everyone's doing. And then as I got older, it was definitely a way to fit in. Yeah. And my friends who I grew up with and my friends from college, um, all of which I'm still very, very close to, it was kind of a transition because that's how they knew me. Mm. And so there would be a lot of peer pressure and they weren't doing anything wrong, but a lot of like, come on, just have fun. Just let loose. You work so hard. Oh, come on. Just take a shot with me. And so that's how it was for years. Yeah. And I really didn't, I'm a people pleaser. I didn't want to disappoint them. And I, I remember what it's like to drink and have fun and have one of your friends just not kind of in on the fun. And then you just feel like conscious well like they're being a bit of a buzzkill or something Mm. so I never wanted to be that person um but now I realize I mean years have passed this started when I was like 23 24 now I'm 29 and um I'm just so much more confident in who I am Mm. and I'm so much more clear Mm. on why I don't drink Mm. and I can explain to people if they even ask Mm. um you know, why I don't drink. And it's, it's really fascinating to people. It's actually a big conversation starter. I don't find that it's isolating at all. It's like people are very inspired. They tend to be. And my friends have gotten on board. Um, even at my bachelorette party, most, I mean, my closest friends, they're like, wow, I forget that you don't drink because I'm just with everyone who's drinking and I'm having just as much fun maybe in a different way and maybe I don't want to stay out as late but that's kind of just who I am anyway um meanwhile on my bachelorette I'm introducing them to shamanic cacao ceremonies and it's fun to be me and to share these things with with my friends who do love to drink and share share with them this is what's fun to me Mm -hmm. and we don't have to love all the same things to be friends and that's a beautiful thing Thank you for sharing that because it's something that so many people struggle with and I love that you gave us that reflection of like the more confident you got in yourself and the more you knew yourself, the more you knew your re- all of your reasons for choose making this choice for yourself, then it becomes like it doesn't, it's less of a problem when people are asking you because you actually have an answer that's very grounded in who you are and your reality and you're able to have a very clear boundary about like what you're okay with discussing, what people don't need to know and just it not be a that huge deal or that kind of um, that moment of insecurity when you might regress into people pleasing and just have a drink to kind of shut up the questions because I think that's challenging for people yeah Mm -hmm. yeah I also I love the fact that you kind of it was it was your 21st it's just something really symbolic about your 21st birthday being a time that you blacked out and maybe you were just like maybe this isn't really serving me, which is obviously the age that is the gateway to drinking, like, legally. Right. It's so ironic, isn't it? It is, and I see that with a lot of people who do wait until they're 21 to drink, Mm. which is legal. There's Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with waiting. But I saw a lot of people in college and in my 20s who really went wild, Mm. and I really truly felt like I got that out of my system when I was younger yeah. and there's pros and cons for both because we did some really 
dangerous things and I'm so happy that none of us ever got hurt Mm. or injured Mm. I mean because when you're 16 and you're drinking Mm. people do really wild things and driving and you think you're invincible when you're that age anyway yeah (laughs) so it's crazy to look back clearly we had some angels surrounding us um but yeah I mean to this day when I see people going really wild with alcohol I usually think to myself maybe they never got it out of their system the way that I did right yeah although there are some people you know having done tons of interviews for this podcast now I kind of feel like there are some people who start drinking at 12 and that's the beginning of their addiction and it just gets worse right and I wonder you said you've you know you've had some experience with being close with people who've suffered from addiction do you buy into the idea that you just don't have an addictive personality or like why do you think it was for you do you think it's because of these other health issues or maybe even it's just these other interests that kind of crowded out the the drinking impulse do you feel like you were ever in a position where it might have become more of a hook more of an addictive behavior for you or do you just think that that was not in your path anyway well I do have an addictive personality an extremely addictive personality but never to alcohol so my body never really liked alcohol I never liked the taste of it ever so when I would drink it was purely to get drunk and I liked being drunk and I liked being out with my friends when I was younger but I never craved it I would never order a drink just for enjoyment and I see my mom my mom loves a good dirty martini she every every time she's out to dinner she gets one or two two is her max and she would never go over that because she doesn't want to but she loves the taste and she loves the way it makes her feel and I'm just not like that and I've had a lot of conversations with her and other people who are similar like do you really like that do you really like the taste because I can't imagine drinking a glass of basically vodka with olive juice in it I mean (laughs) my taste buds would hate that so that's part of it for me and then honestly my body I mean even thinking about alcohol um seriously makes me have an upset stomach like right now and so this is kind of different but um I did a plant medicine journey last year with ayahuasca and I won't get into the whole thing but the one part pertaining to alcohol was that I was in this really deep state of releasing trauma and for a minute all I could smell around me was vodka and it was like someone was pouring vodka on me and I thought they were and I was pouring sweat sweat was gushing out of my body and in a very energetic sense I know that I was purging all this vodka that I drank because that was my that was my alcohol of choice from your first experience um, of nine shots on your yeah first night and it, and it always was because yeah. I never liked tequila and I never liked it's the gin. most tasteless right alcohol, uh, I would yeah. just mix vodka with yeah. with um sparkling water that was what I always drank so it was so crazy and I got very sick while I was purging and the whole experience which I definitely don't have to get into here but it was so clear to me I had this huge intuitive message that just said never drink again for me like never drink again it your body my body hates it so why would I I mean just because it's some kind of social norm that was that would be the only reason yeah Um, and like you say the more you know yourself 
the less there's that need to kind of like change or alter yourself to fit in because you just trust and you accept that I will be accepted, right? Because I've accepted myself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I love being different now. Mm. Um, When you're 24, 23, it's pretty hard to be different. I mean, age is just a number, but I'm just saying for me. Well, there's um, experience that plays into that. Right. right. And as I've gotten older, I just, I love being different. I love showing my friends, whatever they might be into, and my family, that there's another way to live. And like, for example, I have my parents hooked on celery juice and my mom sent me a picture of her grocery cart this morning full of vegetables and that has nothing to do with alcohol, but it's a lifestyle. So I'm the different one and I love it. And I also know there's a ton of people out there like me. I know that now and it makes me happy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to be able to be an example just by living your life and making those choices know that you're having a positive ripple effect that's something I've definitely noticed in my family and my friendship group and my life and just with other people I know who are on this so be curious path the ripple of like the, num- the, 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 the people that you're close to then sort of like being sort of drawn in to this the high vibes in a way you know right exactly (laughs) yeah getting an impact but it's interesting you know you mentioned that you really um began to see alcohol as poison in your 20s even before you had your health issues um but even like you were talking about you know how most a lot of times you would drink you would get sick and I just think like our the way we think about alcohol is so skewed when we regularly take this substance that makes us physically purge because it's obviously our body is trying to get it out of our system because it's poisoning us. Exactly. And yet we just see that as kind of part of part of the experience, you know. If anything, that's, oh, good, I feel better now. Great. I know. <laughs> Let's carry on. It's just crazy, isn't it? Yeah, and it's really like the anti of what everything else in my life is about. So yeah. it just doesn't fit into my life. But what I do really like, you know, your, your handle is The Balanced Blonde and you've been blogging under that name for many years. And I've always really liked you. You have a very sort of balanced and non-judgmental attitude to wellness in general, whether it's diet, whether it's drinking. And you mentioned already a couple of times, you're, you're constantly referring back to my, for my body, this is right. And I love that because, you know, this whole sober curious movement is not really about saying, hey, this is bad, you will need to stop. And it's about acknowledging that each of our bodies is so individual. And there are so many different factors, like the level of our sensitivity, our emotional intelligence, or not emotional intelligence, but the way we experience our emotions, how food, different food and different environments affect and impact all our bodies really, really differently. And what I like about your work is that you really speak about that. And you're a real example of like, this is about just getting to know your body and giving your body what it really needs, you know? Right, definitely. And and I'm so in contact with, with my audience and the people who have followed me for all these years. And I've just seen people all over the board, people who are definitely on this sober curious train. And then a lot of my readers and podcast listeners who love to drink just in a very conscious way and they've kind of shown me and taught me as well Mm. that you can be very spiritual Mm. and conscious and high vibe and drink also Mm -hmm. and so I I'm very careful to say there are so many ways to be living in your highest alignment and your highest vibration and your highest truth and I believe that to be true entirely um however I do think alcohol 
is is you know it's not really meant for our human bodies bodies, but if people want to have fun people do that in all different kinds of ways yeah it's interesting like i mean i people talk about medicinal the medicinal use or a medicinal take alcohol piece of alcohol piece of alcohol (laughs) having a medicinal (laughs) drink right one piece please (laughs) (laughs) an alcohol pill yeah exactly well an alcohol pill is kind of an anti-anxiety pill is basically what I mean it does the same thing to your right, brain right. like anti-anxiety medication does the same thing as, as alcohol um, but that being said like in Chinese medicine for example alcohol is sometimes used or prescribed in very in certain cases and in small amounts and I figured this is a, 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 an interesting point to share an experience I had recently where I've always had really irregular periods and particularly when I'm stressed out like I can have a really long PMS phase and it just gets really challenging I'm really drained, I'm really foggy, it's just my body feels horrible. Um, and I had one a situation like this recently and I just got a craving for a glass of red wine and this hadn't I hadn't experienced this for I probably hadn't drunk for over a year and a half by this point. And um and also and also chicken and I haven't eaten meat since like 2010. <laughs> and I was like I was like said to my husband like let's go can we up, go out for dinner. And he was like he even looked at me, he was like, you want to drink, don't you? And I was like, you know what? I think maybe I do. He so we went to you. this really nice local restaurant and I ordered some veggie thing with like a piece of chicken on the side and a glass of red wine. And I was like, I can't believe I'm going to do this. And I drank probably like three quarters of the glass of wine. I couldn't actually, I didn't want any more than that because I could feel myself starting to get a bit tipsy. And I was like, no, I don't want to go there. I just wanted this in my body for some reason. And the chicken was delicious. And the next day I got my period. And it just felt like, I felt really grateful that my body let me know what it needed. And in that instance, I feel like the alcohol just kind of acted like a bit of a muscle relaxant. And it was like, like just over half a glass, probably it was just enough to kind of, un- for my body to like unclench and just kind of, and I haven't wanted any, I haven't thought about alcohol since then or wanted any since then, but I could understand in that moment how, oh, this felt like a medicinal drop of alcohol, you know? Right. No, I, I love that. And I think being intuitive in that way is so important. Mm. And if I had the same craving, I would do the same thing. Mm. And that's what I always tell people. I'm not against having alcohol this year, next year, mm. sometime in my life. Mm. Um, I'm just assuming I'm not going to have the craving or the mm. desire because I haven't in so long. Mm. However, if I do, I would satiate that um, and I think it's really great that you did. And I, I said the same thing about my wedding and my bachelorette. If I really want to, I will. And of course I didn't want to. And then as the wedding came around, I also realized it wouldn't even be a good idea because it's been so long. Like why on this most important special day of my life would I risk having an adverse reaction I will not be able to remember it or, right and yeah. I have histamine issues and what if I blew up in hives like because it's been so long mm. so then I realized no actually because of my health I'm not even at the leisure to be so carefree um which is fine I feel that getting sick has been my greatest gift mm. truly it's taught me so much and um and I just realized with that, cleaning out my body, it's, it's, it's been a passion of mine since I was about 14. And now I see why um, all these years later, mm. 15 years later, 
I have to live this way mm. in order to even get out of bed. Mm. And if I eat something or drink something inflammatory, even like too much coffee, which I actually drink coffee medicinally, so mm. I can totally relate to that terminology. Um, but if I have too much, my joints will blow up. I'll be in so much pain. I can't even bend my knees. I can't use my hands. My handwriting has changed so much, even over the last year. This is a tangent, but it's like, just to show you that my joint pain is insane. And so I'm not interested in inflammatory foods or beverages. And that's a whole other really big piece of it for me. And Whenever people say, well, don't you feel like you're being a little strict and not drinking alcohol and um, I'm plant-based and I'm salt, oil, sugar-free, and this is a very anti-inflammatory way to live, um, it's given me my freedom back. So no, for me, it's the opposite of restrictive. Mm. I'm actually able to get out of bed. I'm actually able to do this podcast with you where, as you know, I wasn't able to do these things for... Basically, I cut myself off for a whole year because um, because it wasn't worth it. I did not yeah. have energy. And if I forced myself to do something like this, I just wouldn't be proud of the outcome because I just wasn't feeling my best. So committing to this really anti-inflammatory way of life, including not drinking alcohol, including so many things, um, <laughs> including sitting in my sauna every day, which mm. is sitting behind us, that is my it's part of my treatment so mm. that's a whole separate piece of and it this is for all me. for the Lyme disease yeah yeah it's for Lyme yeah. um and it's also for I have a lot of co-infections of Lyme I have Epstein-Barr and mold and I've been detoxing mold for all these years two years now and Lyme symptoms you know which could be related to any autoimmune mm condition so my take is that it's all very related but Absolutely. yeah Mm-mm. yeah I was actually going to ask you that you know if you if you're able if you've got to a place um with man with managing the, the the illness and the discomfort in your body where you are able to be philosophical and sort of say well I've learned you know I've learned so much about the, the human body and about diet and about what what well-being really means through having these health experiences and then being in a position where you are a writer and you love to share and you're able to be a source of information for people do you sort of feel like some of what you've been through has been part of your purpose in a way 100 percent. it's it is my purpose Mm. um I'm such a spiritual person and this journey of being sick has brought me back to that part of myself in a very big way and I just see things so differently now from such a more just such a more eternal soul point of view and many people could view being sick as such a um such a negative thing but I really view it as such a gift those of us who get sick with Lyme disease and with chronic illness we are so lucky. We're so gifted. Mm. And I know that that might be really hard for some people to hear because when you're stuck in bed and you lose so many parts of your life, and in some cases you lose everything, 
it doesn't feel like a gift at all. And yeah. I've been there. Um, and parts of my day, I'm still feeling that way. But the things that I've had to learn and the ways of treating my body and the self-care and the self-love and the confidence that I've had to really develop and just who I am and then really ask myself what is the root of this illness which I could finally do once I started coming out of the clouds of the worst part of it um my belief which is different than some is that if we're sick there's always a root cause like Mm. of course I got bitten by a tick that is what causes Lyme disease but beyond that um what else what else do I need this sickness for? And I've done a lot of exploration with that, with ancestral work and with my own life, trauma, um, pain, basically being sick for so much of my life. Um, I was pretty sick as a child and it was hard, but it brought me a lot of attention. And So I've kind of identified as this sicker person for so long with a very sensitive stomach and I'm just too sensitive for the world and all these stories that I've told myself and they're not untrue, but there's so many root causes of disease and I've been really working on getting to the bottom of all that and it's made me, it's just expanded my life so Mm. much Mm. and expanded my purpose and I've always felt very strongly that I have this blog that I have and podcasts and platform for a reason really to change people's lives. And, you know, you can kind of do that with food and recipes the way that I started, but I'm interested in much deeper work. Yeah, I'm, I would love, if it's okay with you, to hear a little bit about it. Like just in terms of, I feel like so a lot of people now have autoimmune conditions which are often very hard to diagnose and no one really knows what's going on and what do you think from a sort of energetic perspective is going on sometimes like do you feel like it's the body sort of working through something maybe some karma or maybe something energetic have you got any sort of theories about that so many theories (laughs) oh my gosh so many theories so I feel so strongly that our sickness, especially autoimmune disease, which is such an epidemic mm. of our time, mm. in, in, especially in women, but mm. it doesn't discriminate um, women, men, but so many of us are, are suffering from such similar, such similar symptoms. Um, so I believe that a lot of our pain and a lot of our trapped emotions get stuck in our body throughout our lives and this could be an extremely traumatic event or it could be a conversation that didn't feel right when you were 11 like I've had so much of this come up and I've done really deep work around this where things that I would have never dreamed in a million years were locked in my subconscious conversations that I had with a friend's mother when literally when I was 11 something that really just hurt me and I didn't even remember it it was so locked in my subconscious but I've done just a lot of healing work around it pulling those memories up and out of my body has released all of this Mm. space Mm. and I also had fibroids on my uterus and I, I found through this work that a lot of those trapped emotions for me were stuck in my stomach, mm-hmm. my abdomen, and of course my 
reproductive area, mm-hmm. all in there. And um, I have to believe that these masses that developed these very large fibroids the size of a grapefruit on my uterus were so intertwined with these trapped emotions. And I know to people listening, if you've never heard anything like this, it might be hard to believe. And I totally understand that because I never would have resonated with this a couple years ago. But I've seen it. I've seen it with my own eyes. And I've really opened up psychically in the last couple years. And I'm so under the belief that I've always been psychic and I was very shut off Mm. to that side of myself and my higher self pretty much decided it was time to wake me up and one way that our higher self will do that is by slowing us down drastically by getting sick and um this is not just me this is I speak to countless individuals every single day through my blog and through my podcast and in my personal life that are on the exact same path and so I feel and I know that there's this collective awakening of healers and we're all intuitive we all have gifts so sometimes slowing down to the point where your life living your life as you know it is no longer an option to you is the chance to explore so much more that you don't even know is there so there's that and then there's the whole um do you know about pleiadians a little but i would love for you to share a bit about this okay so pleiadians (laughs) they came into my life about three years ago Hmm. and i was told by this wonderful shaman in ojai that I'm very connected to the Pleiadians. They're a group of light beings in the stars, and some could call them aliens, some could call them light energy, some could just call them a higher dimension of love. And at the time, this was so shocking to me, but it was so exciting. Like, what is this? And I dove into all the research, the books, the YouTube videos, what are Pleiadians? And for that whole summer, three years ago, I was visited by these Pleiadians in the night, every, pretty much every night, and I still lived alone. I wasn't... When you say visited in the night, you mean they were coming to you in your dreams, or you would have visions? Or... Both. Right, wow. So some would be dreams, some would be, I would open my eyes, and I would see these light beings in my room. Other times, it would feel more like an abduction. I know this can sound scary to some people. <laughs> these were all very positive experiences. Mm with like one or two exceptions where I felt one time one um, light being kind of enter my body mm-hmm. and try to speak through my voice in the middle of the night and it woke me up and it really scared me so that I set some pretty um, important boundaries and now that I live here with my husband this doesn't happen as much anymore especially because I set my boundaries but I'm still open to it I'm open to everything um So anyway, more recently, I've started to notice this extreme connection between um, humans who feel connected to the Pleiadians and Lyme. Mm. And um, that's not to say that everyone who has Lyme is Pleiadian or connected to the Pleiadians, but it's a huge collective thing that I have noticed. Yeah, like a pattern that you've noticed. It's a pattern. And... um, And it's beautiful, really, because it just speaks again to my belief system that we get sick for a reason and a beautiful gift 
is to connect to our to our spiritual practice yeah and and to our spiritual ancestors wherever they may be from yeah yeah and to our spiritual selves and I've had countless mediums and channels tell me just I mean countless over the last two years once you connect fully to your psychic abilities and sometimes they say to the Pleiadians other times they just say to my own psychic abilities you will be healed and you're not ready yet and that's what they've said you're not ready to fully go there yet because it's going to drastically change your life and your message and basically everything about your life Mm. um so we're you know working on it and that's why you're slowly healing and Mm. it's really exciting and so I have a lot of feelings about sickness and spirituality Mm. yeah thank you so much for sharing that I find it absolutely fascinating and as you were describing you know being a sensitive being and this sensitivity showing up in kind of reactions and you know sensitive digestion and all these sorts of things which I'm sure many people can relate to um I often think about that kind of sensitivity being a sign that someone has a very strong intuitive channel right it's like our sensitivity is how we pick up on different feelings it's how we pick up on vibes of spaces it's how we get like how we can listen to those little teeny soft minute voices in our head that are like do this thing or call this person right these are all psychic messages in a way and yet our society is so suspicious and so um confronted by any conversations of this nature that it gets we just learn to shut it down and i think that sometimes a sensitive body will then once it's been shut down it will start shouting at you like listen to me that's exactly how i feel and that's exactly what happened with my body Mm. and i even had this shaman that i'm talking about in Ojai, the one who introduced me to the Pleiadians, tell me the second time that I saw her, which was many months later, that my body was shouting at me and my inner child was screaming at me, furious, just furious. And she said, you have so much anger Mm. inside of you. And at this point, I was covered in hives, Mm. like the first time that I met you. And I just couldn't believe it. Like, where? Mm. What do you mean, all this anger? I'm not angry. But then, of I'm course, I'm a Libra. What right? Do you mean? I know. I'm a Libra. I, li- <laughs> I like everyone and everything. And of course, uncovering the layers, there is so much anger and past life anger, ancestral anger, and as a highly sensitive person, as you just mentioned. I feel like I'm also a conduit for other people's anger Mm. Um, in my own family, like my ancestors who have passed on. But also if I'm around angry emotions in other people, I will soak that in. Mm. Um, So of course I felt so much and I wasn't wasn't even living in alignment with my truth at this point. So Mm. yes, I was angry. Mm. And the hives, I Um, think if you even think about what they, it's kind of like red, it's raw it's kind of shout this shouty thing on your body it's almost like it looks angry right it makes your skin look angry right and I always describe those hives as angry because Mm. they were so itchy and they were bleeding and Mm. they were red and they were relentless Mm. for nine nine months Mm. and I mean every single day I couldn't even put clothes on for months I couldn't I was just living in the bathtub and then I did a water fast and that is kind of what he, what got the 
inflammation down. I had histamine levels of like 2,800. They're supposed to be around 13. Um, so then I got them down to 1,300 and that was a huge deal. But I mean, I was still yeah. so inflamed. Mm. Now, I mean, they're still high. Like this doesn't, this takes a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing about it taking time, my brother got really sick about a year and a half ago and he was in intensive care for like two weeks before he could leave the hospital after having an operation. And he was getting frustrated. And I remember just sort of making the connection, like, you're a patient. You must be patient. And just thinking right. that's where that word even comes from, you know, the idea of, like, yeah. healing. The body has, you have to take time. And like you say, you, take a, you took a year off from all of your work and everything you were doing so that you could just heal. And we just don't do that in our society as well, you know. It's like, we just... We don't give ourselves time to experience these natural physical processes that we go through of healing on whatever level it's happening, you know? Exactly. Yeah, and there's so many layers to healing. So mm. every day that passes, I learn something new in mm. my life now compared to my life even three weeks ago is different <laughs> because I'm on a new protocol and I've learned new things. I've learned new things that work for my body. Mm. So... Yeah, that's why at times I'm hesitant to even share what I'm doing because it's always it evolving. Change, yeah. But I am a sharer, so that's what <laughs> I do. You're inspiring people so mm-hmm. much with your work and providing information that might be difficult for people to find otherwise. Like from a regular doctor, like a regular MD is not going to say you need a shamanic healing and to connect to your Palladian ancestors. Never, <laughs> never. No, but I mean, it's so funny. And I feel like I've found my angel doctor because she's open to all this stuff and she's very Western, func- functional medicine, but Western. And um, she, but she's so open to all this stuff. And she knew that ayahuasca, for example, mm-hmm. would be deeply healing for me. Mm-hmm. And she helped explain to my parents why I was Mm. doing it and it's amazing to find doctors out there who are open to these alternative methods yeah and hopefully we'll see more and more of that I would love you mentioned um that you do have an addictive personality and I'd love if you could share a bit about when you see that come up in you and how you manage those kind of addictive or obsessive tendencies because I know yeah many people experience that obviously and not just around alcohol like social media is one and like food is obviously a huge one and tv and all relationships dating apps so I wonder if you could just speak a bit to what your thoughts are on kind of addiction and managing those tendencies right well addictive personalities have my addictive personality has been a part of my life for as long as I can remember. Mm. My parents actually put me in therapy when I was four because they saw a lot of obsessive compulsive tendencies um, just beginning when I was really young. Like I would not wear my socks the right way out. I wanted to wear them inside out because I was so affected by the way that they felt when they were on the way they were supposed to be and I had to have them pulled up to my knees and just so many different things Mm -hmm. and that's not addictive that's just more OCD tendencies that I've always had so I can get very addicted to all sorts of things luckily in my life they've been healthy things um I'm just very all or nothing so I'll be going to hot yoga seven days a week for weeks 
but then I won't go for weeks because it's just a, this all or nothing mm-hmm. kind of lifestyle for me. Um, I had times when I was younger where food was very addictive in all sorts of patterns with vegan food. That's how I started the vegan food blog. That was pretty addictive for me because I was so young and I was learning and soaking in everything, which was all contradictory information. And it sent me into a bit of a tailspin when I was a lot younger and very obsessive over what you're not allowed to eat and things that I just don't resonate with anymore Mm. because now that I'm so much more clear on who I am and what works for me I just know what what those things are um, even if they're always changing so that has been addictive my work has been super addictive especially with social media because it's always there I mean I'll be in bed at midnight working and and my husband will remind me how abnormal that is. Um, Because for me, it doesn't seem abnormal. With the industry that we're in, Mm. I see it all the time. Mm. Um, And I feel so lucky to be a part of it because I love what I do. Mm. But I have to take time for myself. And um, I'm super, super addicted to my work. And that's why it was a really big deal for me to take time off and really pour my energy into my wedding and joining union with my husband Mm -hmm. and those are the things ultimately those are the most important things in life Mm -hmm. love family friendships beyond work any day Mm -hmm. um I realize that more and more so I don't want to be so addicted to work Mm -hmm. but I also feel so fulfilled by what I do so it's a tricky one yeah it really is but I think the fact you were able but, but then again okay you could say well your body made you quit working for a year in a way well it did and I'm so aware of that yeah and that's why I know the intelligence of our bodies is just so massive yeah and I trust my body and I should listen to it more yeah and that's the path that I'm on now yeah yeah and dedicated I love it very very dedicated addictive but dedicated yeah I wonder I mean you touched on the veganism and in a way it's like it's in it I'm just thinking now given that you've had a sensitive system how easy it would be to think oh well this is the way to eat to kind of to be well like why would you not go down that rabbit hole in a way right if someone's had any health issues like very easy to get sucked into what could be really um, obsessively sort of ultimately unhealthy eating you know of course I mean after having a sensitive stomach yeah. my whole life extreme IBS symptoms just always like mm. my parents say I was born with them as a baby very difficult wow. baby with I would throw up every single thing that I ate until I was like two years old it was a huge concern mm. and my parents joke, nothing has changed. Um, I don't throw up like that anymore, but I mean, yeah. so, so many foods make me feel that way. Mm. So when I was very, just starting out as a blogger and began to have all of this amazing access to resources and wellness experts and different things, and I was living in New York, I became very immersed in the vegan community and then in the raw vegan community and I was very young I was about 22 so 
basically anything anyone told me, I believed. Um, Whether that be the 30 bananas a day trend, which nothing... Oh my God, was that a thing? (laughs) That was a thing in the raw vegan community. Nothing could ever make your stomach worse. I mean, oh my gosh. Um, But I was living with my best friend and we still talk about her coming home and me having hundreds of bananas in our 400 square foot apartment. (laughs) And she was horrified um, because I was also spiraling, Mm. spiraling into a very addictive Mm. behavior pattern. And then I was doing 30 day juice cleanses and um, my life has come so full circle Mm. because now I'm healing from very, very severe case of Lyme disease and so I've done far more extreme things than that but I didn't need to be doing those things back then yeah, right. um, and I didn't have reasons other than I was just curious mm. and now I'm kind of fighting for my life so it's totally different yeah. and that's why I have such a strong opinion on cleansing and detoxing and water fasting and these things that I've done that I have definitely gotten hate for because people will say, well, you had an eating disorder. You talked about it so publicly. Why would you do this or that? Like, first of all, no one has any right to judge what I'm doing. I am literally fighting for my life. Um, for the better part of two years, I didn't think I was going to survive this. Mm -hmm. And it could totally even make me emotional to talk about it. So yes, I will try anything. And so many of these things have worked so beautifully for me. But I have so much compassion for my young, younger self who was just listening to these people who told me a 30-day juice cleanse will, will clear up your stomach problems. Yeah. Where um, now I'm doing this amazing medical medium protocol, which is very heavy in juices and smoothies and many other beautiful healing things. And I'm doing it because I want to be healthy and I want my body to heal and I want to be able to have children and things that have not been an option for me because of my health. Mm -hmm. So... I've yeah. yeah, it's like you say, it's kind of like there's a time and a place for it. Some of these more extreme protocols, they're designed for people who are dealing with a real sickness. It's not just because I don't know, you get bloated sometimes, like <laughs> Right. Which was totally my life when yeah. I was twenty two. Many people will be able to relate to that. The, the, the some of these things are packaged in such a seductive way that it's like really playing on your on our deepest fears of like there's something wrong with me. And that everything will be fixed if I can just like do thirty days of juice. And right. Have a flat oh, I believe that. It's just it. such, yeah. But it's so predatory and it's so um, dangerous. It is dangerous, and so I am very careful with my message, and mm. um, and I know that my message has changed and my audience has changed. And for the most part, it's very interesting that the audience who has grown up with me more or less is on a very similar path Mm. and there's no coincidences there Mm. and I also think on a very spiritual and energetic level there are not really any coincidences with my past with cleansing and juicing and veganism and now having to really dive into those things for an entirely different reason Mm. because I am so knowledgeable on them because I was obsessed and now I'm obsessed with with healing and um if if um you know a different 
diet that wasn't plant-based was what was going to heal me, I would do that. Mm. But it's very clear to me what my body thrives off of right now. And I just feel like such a different person than I was back then. So anytime someone kind of tries to compare me just to who I was, because my life has been so public the Mm. whole time, Mm. I just try not to let it get to me because who I am now I'm in such a different position Mm. and I have such a different approach to everything. So yeah, more tangents (laughs) and and really honestly, I'll say it again, like good for you for just being so honest about all of it the whole way along. I think you, your transparency and like your willingness, not willingness, but your, you know, you as naturally share the really, really tough times and what's not working as you do what's working. It's not like you're promoting any one thing. You're sharing your journey and that's, like what more can you do yeah right and I could easily keep it to myself to avoid getting judged yeah but that's not what I was put on this planet to do yeah because I am so in touch with my purpose now yeah Yeah. just to finish up I'd love to hear what your definition of well-being is at this point my definition of well-being is feeling well in all aspects of life spiritually physically mentally um energetically Mm -hmm. and just really tuning into what that is for you for each individual person it's going to look different in so many different ways but i think as long as we're moving and we're resting and we're getting good sleep and staying hydrated and happy Mm -hmm. and filled with love and surrounded by people we love people who love us I think that's the ultimate well-being. Thank you. It's lovely to finish there. Thanks so much. Thank you. So we went to some very interesting places in this conversation. And one thing that really resonated was what Jordan said about being a highly sensitive person and getting okay with prioritizing her own self-care around that. I actually think that a lot of us are more sensitive than we've been told we're allowed to be, meaning we're more emotional, more intuitive, and more susceptible to the subtle influences of our environment. And then we often use alcohol to dull this down so we can function more easily in the world. When actually we should be celebrating our sensitivity as a gift and thinking about it as a finely tuned inner GPS that can help us make choices that are really right for us when it comes to everything from the food we eat to the media we consume and the people we hang out with. I would love to hear your thoughts on this chat with Jordan. Just drop me a DM on Instagram if you have any feedback or comments. And if you enjoyed it, please also share this episode with a friend. You can, of course, subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher and Apple Podcasts, where you can also leave a five-star review to help more people find this series. Thank you so much for listening. More coming up soon. This podcast features original music and is edited by alloaudio.com. That's A-L-O-E audio.com.